Welcome, and thank you for stopping by Biker Church, Wiley, Texas. Let's go on in and see what J.R. Franklin has to teach us today. All right, let's start this again. Good morning, everybody. Let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we have together to come into your house today. We thank you for the many blessings you've given us. Father, watch over us as we go through the rest of the week. Watch over us as we go through this service. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and dwell with us and uh, just uplift us into the places that we need to be. Father, we pray a special prayer this morning of healing for some of our congregation. We have several out that are sick, and we have Papa Hogg that's out because of the accident up in McKinney. He's on his way to recovery, and we give you praise and glory for that. Father, we just ask that you continue to heal the bodies, bring them back to the place that they need to be. Watch over us and go with us as we go through the service. Let everything we do bring honor and glory to you and lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, good morning, good morning again. Y'all ready for this? All right. I'm ready to give it to you, I think. I think. Oh. We're going to go to James. When you get to James, go to chapter 3. Lord, this morning I ask that you just bless the reading of this word. Father, just let it bring knowledge and understanding and clarity to our hearts. Let it be something that we can use as we go out this week. Make it better for us to live our lives in honor of you and serving you. Watch over us as we go through it. Bind up the devil's hands today that he will not distract from the word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, let me not, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a greater judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Instead, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are very large and they are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, whatever the pirate pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest is and a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, and the world, and the world of in, in, yeah, yeah, negative. The tongue is so set among your members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame, can, can tame the tongue. If it is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison, with it, we bless our God 
and Father, and we curse men who have been made the semblance of God. What's he talking about? I mean, really, what is he talking about in these scriptures that James, the man that prepared us, talked to us about our woes and our trials and our tribulations? Why is this part of his message? Can y'all figure that out? It's because what we say, how we act, and how we present ourselves to other people have more power than anything else we do. We can walk among men and we can talk about what we do and we can show men how to live and then in five seconds destroy all we created just by opening our mouths and talking. Sometimes we talk good into life, don't we? We talk about blessings. We talk about all the things that we want to happen, all the good that we want to happen. But then we'll turn around and destroy all we created, all we worked and we did. How easy is it for us to do that? Why do we do it? Can y'all figure that out? Can you figure out why we have a tendency to destroy all the work that we do? And that's a great excuse. That is the greatest excuse of all, that we're human. And humans make mistakes. Humans mess up. Humans foul up. But what can we do to ensure that we don't foul up in that way? I mean, really, what can we do? Think about what you're doing before you do it. That's a good one. But then there's something else that we have to do. Live in the presence of God. Live under the influence of God's Word. And if we learn to live in the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is God's Word manifested inside of us, we learn to control our temper, our lust, our greed, our selfishness, all the things that make us human, we have to learn to control that stuff. So how do we do that? I mean, really, how do we do that? Here, faith is a great way of, a great expression of it. But how do we really train ourselves not to be what the world is. we got to learn to rely on the Word of God. It's simple. Follow the recipe that's written in the book. When you go to make a chocolate cake, if you put coconut in it, is it a chocolate cake anymore? you got to keep junk out of it and keep it pure. The Word of God is the pure Word of God, and it tells us how to live. It shows us how we are supposed to act, how we're supposed to talk, how we're supposed to respect, how we're supposed to live our lives. But then we get the Word of God, and we do what with it? What do we do with the Word of God? We want to add stuff to it. 
We want to take out some stuff because that don't feel good. We want to pick and choose what we want to use, right? It's like God was talking about the wheat farmer that planted the field. He planted pure seed, clean seed, but when the crop came up, there were thorns in it. And they wanted to remove the thorns and the bristles. What did he tell them? Leave it alone. You go and try to take all that stuff out, you're going to destroy the crop. How much do we do that in the world today? That world out there is full of thorns and thistles, isn't it? And we go around trying to remove all the thorns and thistles, and what do we end up doing? We preach the Word of God. We talk about how to live for God, how not to judge, how not to persecute people, how to love people the way God loved us. But then we want to go and remove all the bad out of everybody's life. Am I right? Sometimes we just have to overlook those thorns and love that person anyway. Come on. How did God get to us? How many of us are perfect? How many of us don't have any thistles and thorns in our lives? What does God say? I love you. I love you so much I'm going to give my son that you can have eternal life if you believe in him. Did y'all hear what I just said? If you believe in him, you will have eternal life. If you call upon his name. Did he say in that, in that little scripture there, does it say go make yourself perfect and then call on him? What's it say? Diane said it all ago, faith. I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He came to save me from my sin. He didn't tell me to go fix my sin and come to him. He said, come as you are, and he will perfect you. And how does God perfect us? Through the other thing y'all said, the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit perfect us? By transforming us, teaching us what's right, what's wrong, how do we act, how do we behave. Where do we go? What do we do? These things are the things that the Holy Spirit leads us into. And then when everything goes wrong, what's the Holy Spirit do? He convicts us, but he also does this. It's going to be all right. You're going to be okay. Just stay, stay strong in the Word. Stay strong in the Word. That's what he's going to do. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit does? Is the Holy Spirit our judge? He didn't come to judge us. He came to comfort us and to teach us how to live. See, we put a lot of emphasis on things that we want to add to God's Word to make it work for us. Is that the way it's supposed to be? We don't add to God's Word to make it work. We follow God's Word, and it works. If it didn't work, He wouldn't have put it in there. So why do we keep adjusting what he says? Because we're bullheaded, people. We're stubborn. And we want to do it our way. We want to love God on our terms. I didn't say that out loud, did I? We want to love God and be in the presence of God at our terms and how we want to do it. When we want to do it. 
It's not a matter of what God laid out there for us to do. It doesn't matter what he planned for us to do, what he provided us to do. It's all about what we want to do. What feels good to me? What's easier for me to do? Convenience. It's inconvenient sometimes to serve God, isn't it? Come on, think about that for a minute. You'll agree with me if you really think about it. Sometimes it's inconvenient to serve God. Did he say that it was going to be convenient? Did he promise us it was going to be easy? Did he promise us that it would just be automatic for us? No, he didn't. He told us that they, though I have suffered, you will suffer too. What did he mean by that? Does that mean that we're all going to be taken to that post and beaten by the Roman soldier? No. But we are going to go through trials and tribulations. We're going to go through hurts and pains and suffering. They probably will call you names. You'll be a holy roller or holier than thou or I can't think of all of them I've been called. Bible thumper, yeah. That's when I take my Bible and thump them. But the greatest compliment you can give me is I'm a long-haired Jesus freak. Because I am a Jesus freak. I believe Jesus Christ is the only reason I'm here today. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for him needing me to do what I do, he would have took me home a long time ago. So, yes, I am a Jesus freak. But does that make me perfect? Do I do everything perfectly well? No. I stumble. I fall. And the Holy Spirit has to reach down and grab me by my bootstraps and by my belt and pick me up and say, get back on the road you belong on. It's hard. It's hard to serve God. Because there's so much other stuff going on out there that's much more inviting, much more interesting. Oh, I got some looks from some of y'all. Well, I ain't lying to you, am I? You know how I know that? Because I've been there, done that, and I've seen that beautiful stuff out there. I've seen that fun. I've seen that excitement. I've seen that easier life. It's hard to get up and come in here every Sunday morning. Sure it is. Then why don't they do it? Why do we have empty seats in here if it ain't hard? There's always reasons and reasons and reasons why you can't serve God. I call them excuses. I can make excuses all day long why I could go home right now. I could walk out this door right now and go home and have a perfectly good excuse for it. But the world says it kind of like this. Excuses are like everybody's got one. Some of them stink worse than others. And that's the truth. We all have excuses why we don't do what we're supposed to. We can all make up reasons why we don't follow God's leadership. I'm not picking on anybody, am I? Am I picking on somebody today? I'm telling you what God put in my heart to tell you is that he's sick and tired of our excuses. 
He's sick and tired of us making up our own rules as we go. And if we don't watch out, we're going to find out what Solomon and Gomorrah was all about. Everybody's worried about Jesus coming back. I'm worried more about God taking us out. Are you? Has that thought crossed your mind when you look at our world that we live in? I mean, I read the story, and the story says that it was a, a bunch of hibachery, adultery, homosexuality, transgenders, all the things that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for. All I got to do is go to New York City, and I can see every bit of it. I can go to Wiley, Texas and see it. I can go to Dallas and see it. I can go to Fort Worth and see it. I can go anywhere in America and see it. But God is still seeing what he sees, and he's telling us if we don't straighten it up, our country is going to fall. And it's not an economical. It's not a Democrat problem. It's not a Republican problem. It's not a whatever problem. It's a faith in God problem, not serving God. Everybody says, well, this country was formed on God. It was. But our rudder has turned left. And we've gotten off God's course. Until the church stands up and says, no more. We're going to live by what God said to do. We're going to be off course. Everybody says, well, why come God cutting off the blessings? Maybe it's because you're cutting off the obedience. The Word says that we're to be obedient to the Word of God. Or he will blot us from the book of life. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to be blotted. I, I've been tamped on a few times, and that blotting stuff don't feel good. I've been without God in my life. I remember what it was like facing every day not with God in my life. I don't ever want to go back to that. I don't ever want to go back to where God separates himself from me. But i got something to tell y'all. God never stops loving us. Do you think he quit loving the people in Sodom and Gomorrah? No, he loved them dearly. And he gave them opportunities to change after opportunity after opportunity. And they refused to be obedient to the word, and they left him with no choice. What are we doing in the world today? We're not obedient to God's word. And we're changing the word. The Bible in Revelation says that if you change one word, you're condemning yourself. So why do we insist on trying to do that? Why don't we, every opportunity we have to worship God, be on, in our chairs watching the cross and praising God? We don't do it. There's opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to worship God. But we'd much rather worship the television set. Or we'd much rather worship our church, our, our work. We'd much rather worship the football game. Or we'd much rather worship the racetrack. Or we'd much rather worship motorcycle riding. Or maybe we'd like to worship that good drinking. You know, we worship everything, right? But we don't worship God. We are adulterous and adulterers. And you say, well, I don't cheat on my wife. I don't do that. Yeah, you do. You cheat on your groom. 
Because what are we? Who are we? The church is the bride of Christ, and we cheat on him every day. We're adulterists, and we need to stop cheating God out of God's stuff. We need to start laying our lives down for God and quit worrying about all the other stuff we worry about. Oh, Jim, i got to make a living. How am I going to pay for the bills? How am I going to do this and do that? Become obedient to God and do what God leads you to do. Your bills will be paid. Your money will come in. You will be blessed coming and going. But if you're not obedient to God and you got your hand up wanting blessings, what's going to happen? You're going to leave with an empty hand. Because he wants more of you than you're willing to give him. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to start worshiping God the way God requires us to worship Him. And how do we know what to do? Read the book. Go to church. Go to Bible study. Go to Sunday school. Go to wherever you can learn what God has in this book for you to do and then do something absolutely amazing. Participate in it and follow it. Oh, J.R., I know the word. Pity on you. Pity on you. If you know what the Word says and you don't do it, you'd rather have a millstone tying around your neck and throw in the lake than not do what God called you to do. So don't, don't confuse this. That Knowing that book from cover to cover is not going to help you one bit. The devil knows that book better than I do. He knows every word in it, and he'll twist those words and use it to hurt me. So knowing the book ain't the answer, is it? Oh, but I pray all the time. I pray all the time. But do you pray for things that God wants you to pray for, or do you pray for more money, more this, more that? I need this, I need that. His, your need list is usually bigger than your praise list when you're praying. Oh, but J.R., you have not because you ask not. Don't turn that scripture around either. You have not because you ain't being obedient to God and he's cutting off your blessings. Stop trying to do it your way and try it God's way. Maybe your life will get better. Maybe you don't need that $500,000 house because that $500,000 house may be keeping you from God's presence. You may not need that job that pays $500 an hour because that may turn you from God's blessings. You may not need a lot of things that you're asking for because you're not putting the right emphasis on what you need to be asking for. Oh, y'all don't like me too much this morning, do you? That's okay. You don't have to like me. You don't even have to love me. But I'm going to tell you what God said. I'm going to tell you the truth about what you're doing in your life, and then you're wondering why you ain't getting your blessings. It's because you're not living obedient to the Word of God. You're not following what God laid out for us to do. Oh, J.R., I'm a good person. I go to church on Sunday morning. Every Sunday I'm there. I park my motorcycle in a shop every day inside the garage. My motorcycle going to become a car? It's going to be a motorcycle, ain't it? 
because that's what it's created to be, right? And until we change it, put two wheels on the back of it, it's still a car. It's still a motorcycle, isn't it? Now, we can change it to a trike, and it's still a trike. If I put four wheels on it, I can make it into a car. Can I tell you something? A sinner born into this world can be made into a Christian. But it takes something to happen. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready? It takes change in your life to make you a Christian. Oh, I, I believe in Jesus, Jr. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. But what have you done with it after that? What have you done besides say, I believe in him? What else have you done? Have you changed anything in your life? Have you become obedient to the Word of God? Better than that, have you even read the Word of God? Have you studied it at all? Do you know what God expects from you? Oh, yeah, I read it. I know what he expects. Woe to you because you ain't changed nothing. You ain't changing the way you live. I know I'm preaching for free hard stuff this morning. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. It's time for America to wake up. It's time for the Christians in this place to wake up and start living the way Christians are supposed to live. Stop judging them people out there and start loving on them. Stop judging them and share your, your faith with them. How about, shed, how about spreading some Jesus on them? Instead of putting judgment on them, why don't you put some Jesus on them? Why don't you invite them to come to church? Oh, but that means I have to go. I got to be there because I don't know when they're going to show up. Congratulations. Welcome to being a mature Christian. You want to grow in Christ? Start growing. How do you keep a rose bush little bitty? You prune it. Or you do like I did last year. Plant it in the dirt, walk away and leave it alone. It'll stay little bitty, I promise you. I got three of them in my house that ain't grown one inch. It's so confused, it's putting roses out today. I didn't do anything with it. I just planted it. I haven't cultivated it. I haven't fertilized it. The only time it gets watered is if it rains or Elton comes over. So what do I expect? Do I expect a rose garden in my yard? Oh, yeah, I did. I planted four rose bushes. I should have a huge rose bush out in my yard. But what have I done to it? Nothing. I accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, on Sunday 12 years ago. I've been to church four times since then. How's my faith? How's my walk with God? You get where I'm going with this? You've got to nurture your life. Where do I get my fertilizer from? The Bible. Where do I get watered at? The church. Where do I get cultivated at? Sitting and listening to Jr. beat me up on Sunday mornings. Because you may not realize it, but that's all I'm doing. I'm just turning your dirt. 
I'm stirring your dirt up a little bit. That's what preaching is. Preacher's job is to stir your dirt, to cultivate around you that you can receive. Oh, you can receive more of God. Because when your crust gets hard around you, what's going to get through? John, you do road work. When you put that crust down, that, that green rock, that green surface down, what gets into that surface? Nothing. You can't hardly drive a stake in it. You couldn't. It takes a good man with a big sledgehammer and a stake to drive through it. And they have a special machine that goes through and cuts off the top layer. That's what preachers do. We cultivate you. We're supposed to encourage you and we're supposed to teach you what God says. But can I teach you everything that book says on one Sunday? No. I can't teach it to you on two services. So how many services do you need to be at in order to get cultivated and to grow your rose garden? As many as you can get into. Thank you, Michael. I'm still leaking, y'all. I look 100% better, but I'm still leaking. I don't know how else to get this message to you. James, I think, had a great plan with it of telling us what to expect. He compared us to a ship rudder. rudder. He compared us to the simplest things of the world. But what do we really got to depend on to guide us in the way that we need to go? The Holy Spirit, guys. You need to get in touch with the Holy Spirit. How do I get in touch with the Holy Spirit? Through praise and worship, learning of God's Word, learning what the Holy Spirit's all about. I just increased in volume, and it just started echoing. Is that, does anybody else hear that, or is my ear clear? Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought my ear done popped or something. But, guys, my job as your pastor is to encourage you. My job is to cultivate you. My job is to give you what God tells me to give you and give you the Word of God. Your job is to absorb it. Your job is to take it in, listen to it, and then live it. And how hard is that? How hard is it to live the Word of God? Sometimes it's the most difficult thing we can do. Because we've got so much other stuff going on that we've got to put first. We put our jobs first. We put our houses first. We put our kids first. We put our spouses first. We put a lot of things before we put God. And can I tell you something? We're backwards. God's usually the last thing we put into the mix. He should be the first thing. He says put God first in all your things. Put God first in your life. When he's first, what happens to everything else? It gets in line, don't it? And it lines up. And he meets our needs. Oh. He meets our needs. And how does he do that? Through blessings. Through our obedience in God, he blesses us. Without, without obedience, is there going to be blessings? 
I won't say no. They're not going to be as big. They're not going to be as often. But God blesses us just by being here. Waking up in the morning is a blessing from God. But when I'm talking about blessings, I'm talking about big blessings. And how do we get big blessings? By being big Christians and serving God the way we're supposed to. You want a happy home? Put God in the middle of it. You want a good job? Take him to work with you every day. You want to have a good car? Put God in it. I get tickled that song, Zip Ties, Duct Tape, and Jesus. Zip Ties and Duct Tape won't put that car back together, but Jesus will. Jesus will keep that old raggedy thing moving, won't it? You see, we've got to have Jesus in our lives. And more than just on our T-shirts. And more just on our tattoos. And more than just on the back windshield of our cars. And more on that Sunday morning getting up and going to church thing to show our neighbors we're doing it. It's about your obedience to the Word of God and doing what God's called you to do. Have you got an appointment today? Do you have an appointment with heaven today? Or you know that you're going to heaven today? If you, if you die today, are you going to heaven? Do you know that? Then how do you get to the point where you know you are? real simple you listen to what your heart's telling you right now this moment when I ask you that question you listen to what your heart's telling you and you say you know I've been flirting with this thing long enough I've been dealing with it long enough and today I'm ready to sign that contract I'm ready to make that commitment that I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and that I want to serve him for the rest of my life. And more important than that is I know I'm a sinner. And I cannot live for eternity without him. i got to be forgiven. And how do we get forgiveness? Through the acceptance of Christ and we ask him into our lives. Is that going to change you today? God, I hope so. Is it going to be a Total, complete change? That, I can't answer that question. Some people, the minute they accept Christ, everything changes. Some folks, it takes a couple of years. Some folks, it took about 10 years to change. Some folks are hard-headed. And some folks don't want to give it up. But then there's that hope is still there because Christ is alive in you. And he's going to move all that junk out of your life. Y'all hear me? He's going to move all the junk that he can't be around out of your life. And then what's really cool is when you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes. And when he moves in, you may want to keep doing some of that stuff, but every time you do it, why are you doing that? Are you crazy? <laughs> right? You got that voice inside you, and it's not those little small voice. I'm going to tell you right now, everybody thinks the Holy Spirit's that little teeny voice inside of you. says, you don't need to do that. It's not. It's that deep, loud voice telling you what you're doing wrong.
and then you want to run. And you want to run away from it. But can I tell you something? You can't run far enough. You can't run far enough or fast enough. Because what you don't remember is when you asked Jesus into your life, he moved in. So now when you run, who are you carrying with you? You ain't going nowhere that he ain't going. I've asked the question before. Would you do what you did last night if Jesus was in the room? You did. Come on. Am I right? The decisions you make after you make that decision to accept Christ, every decision you make, Jesus is right there with you. I'm scaring people now they won't accept Christ because they don't even watch them that close. But he's watching you anyway, whether you're saved or not. Even the lost are being judged. Even the lost are being watched. So now it's time. It's that time of day. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you accepted him as your Christ? Are you ready to ask him for forgiveness of your life? Are you ready to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need forgiven. I need you to move into my life and make the changes that need to be made. And I give my life to you forever. If you can pray that prayer in here, not in here, but in here, and you can really say, Jesus, I need your help. I need you to move in and take over. If you can do that today, right now is the time to do it. I'm going to have everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Don't nobody look around. This ain't about you, boo-boo. This is about the person next to you or the person down the road from you. This is about somebody else's life today, unless you're dealing with it, and then it's about you. If you haven't accepted Christ this morning, you've never asked Jesus into your life. Or maybe you did, but you didn't really do anything with it, and you didn't mean it. And you want to do it right today? Right now is the time to get up and come up here and accept Christ. The Bible says that we are to confess with our mouths. Believe in our heart and confess in our mouths, and that he, you will be saved. So yes, you have to confess. Yes, you have to admit that you're, you need Jesus. So right now, if you're sitting in this building today, or outside of this building, wherever you are in the world and you're hearing this message, You've never committed yourself to Christ? Right now is the time to do it. Oh, JR, I gave my life to God a long time ago. But you know, I didn't really put no effort into it. And I need to rededicate myself to God this morning. Right now is the time to do that too. Because it's never too late to be forgiven. God has a merciful mercy that's unbelievable. And even though you ain't been doing right, he'll accept your, your repentance. And he'll accept your coming back to him. And he'll give you another chance. But you got to ask him. I can't do it for you. I can't fix you. All I can do is preach the word and give you the answers. Whether you use them or not, that's up to you.
So right now is your opportunity. Do I accept Christ or not? If you're within the sound of my voice, move right now. Get up and move. Move into the place of the cross. And ask Christ into your life. That song that's playing in the background says, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of your own heart this morning. Look deep inside and see, do I have Christ there? Do I really have a relationship with him this morning? Or have I been playing church? Have I been playing with God? He knows the answer, whether you do or not. So if that's you today and you need Jesus, don't hesitate to walk up here and say, I need Christ this morning. Well, let the music play for a minute. Let you dwell on it for a minute. Dear Heavenly Father, if there's one person in this room that's struggling with a decision right now, whether to accept you or not accept you, whether to live for you or not to live for you, whether to continue the walk that they promised you they would make, whatever the case may be in each person's life, let the Holy Spirit dwell with them this morning. Let him move in and change the way they think and the way they look at things. Bring them to an understanding that you are the Lord of Lords and King of Kings that you are the salvation. And without you, there's no way to God. Let it happen in your time. Lord, protect us as we go out today. Watch over us as we go through our lives. Bring us to a place where you want us to be. Teach us to be obedient to your word. And let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us in every step we make, in every decision we make. Let it be your will be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Les, you back there? You awake? <laughs> Wake up, Les. What you got for me this morning, bro? Church, the, Jesus is the reason for the season. So be sure to help the poor, love one another, forgive. Try to follow Jesus' footsteps. I'm a nose. Run through and go get the chicken. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. If you have prayer requests or need to contact us, please email us at bikerchurchwileytexas at gmail.com or call 214-283-0620. Please send all written correspondence to 303 Highway 78, Suite 103, Wiley, Texas 75098. And if you wish to make a donation, please make all checks payable to PSMM. God bless you and have a great day.